Welcome to the Trailbreaker Podcast. I'm Aaron Feinberg. In this podcast, I explore what it takes to be a trailbreaker. Through intimate conversations with people carving new paths across the landscapes of business, art, and sport, we dig in on how to excel across seemingly disparate endeavors. What drives people who manage to succeed multidimensionally? Is it how they think? Is it meticulous planning and follow-through? Or is it some measure of delusional optimism? My guest today is Veronica Schreiber-Smith, founding principal and CEO of Vera Iconica, a global pioneer in wellness architecture. She's practiced architecture on four continents and currently works, speaks, and leads think tanks internationally on the topic. She's also a fourth-generation Wyomingite who used to guide horseback trips into the wilderness. She currently uses some of those same skills while wrangling her three young children. We talked about the art and science behind how Vera Iconica designs the built environment to optimize your life, the development of the wellness wheel for architecture, and a special project Vera Iconica is working on with Deepak and Rita Chopra. Good afternoon, Veronica, and thank you very much for having me in your office today. Thanks for having me on the podcast, Aaron. So Vera Iconica is your architecture firm, and you guys are specializing in a new form of architecture called wellness architecture. Could you tell us right out of the gates how you would define that? Yes, we define wellness architecture as the art and science behind how we design the built environment to optimize your life. Okay. So in terms of how that differs from say green architecture or lead certified architecture. Yeah. So uh, green architecture or environmental architecture is really a wedge that's underneath a bigger umbrella that we call wellness architecture. And there's also new rating systems out there for human well-being. So we have the green rating system. Lead is one of the most popular ones. Uh, they now have a sister rating system called Well, and that's really for human well-being, human health. Um, but we take it farther. A lot, a lot of the things that they talk about are clean air, clean water, things that that are very measurable. But you can go into a place that maybe has like so the the top lead rating. It's very energy efficient. Maybe it's net zero, and then maybe it has clean air, clean water, but the environment almost feels sterile. And that's not necessarily going to be an environment that you want to be in all the time. And so wellness architecture recognizes that there's other things that make us human, like our emotional well-being, our intellectual well-being, our spiritual well-being, our perceptions, our preferences. Things when we go into a space and it just feels good. And that really is what wellness architecture is about. And we understand the science behind why it just feels good. Fascinating. So everything from the, the way that spaces are designed to the materials to anything else that as a non-architecture person, I would have not spoken about right there. Yes, exactly. I mean, everything goes into it. It's, you know, I, I think we're always trying to break things into pieces. You know, if, if we went through all of the tiny little pieces that feed into that, you know, the podcast would be going on through the middle of the night tonight, but it, you know, sim simply put, it's just how do we design experiences that 
allow you to live your fullest life and achieve your, your highest potential? How do we help somebody get into their flow state faster and stay there longer? How do we, um, you know, the, the, a lot of our buildings and conventional materials actually have toxins or the, they, they don't have clean air. It's, it's, it's really amazing. Harvard did a study about five years ago and showed that buildings built to code left so much CO2 and particulate pollutants in the air that it lowered people's cognitive performance by as low as, you know, 60 to 70% across different metrics. So, you know, we always assume that if a building's built, it's going to be healthy and good for us. And unfortunately, that's, that's not the case. So there, you know, there's a wide spectrum of, we, we actually have developed this thing that we call the wellness wheel. And it looks at all seven dimensions of wellness and how architecture can influence all seven of those dimensions. And since I'm not going to make you talk to me through the night, um, <laughs> outside of building materials, just maybe an example or two of, of some of the other factors on that wheel. And then we'll, we'll move into some other aspects of why you are a trailbreaker. Yes, absolutely. So uh, lighting is a good one. So let, let's say that somebody, again, rather than talking about features, you know, we design in features, but the way that we like to work with our clients and with people is what's your quality of life? What are you experiencing? So if somebody comes to us and they say, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm not sleeping very well. Well, there's things we can do. And those things that we can do are there. They have a lot of different features. So circadian lighting might be one of those things in order to get the body's hormones and natural bio, like biological rhythms back in sync. There are also things that we can do within the bedroom itself, like um, having blackout shades, the bedding, having zero toxins in the bed. There's also uh, wiring in the walls and watching electromagnetic fields that are proven to impact sleep that we can alter and kind of essentially, there's all these little features that we can do to create a sleep sanctuary. And it's not just about what you're sleeping. It's about how you wake up from your sleep. It's about how you prepare for bed. That is important. And then also, um, how you are throughout the day. So there are, there are multiple aspects that we can tweak in your environment to help you have a better night's sleep. So interesting. So when you were going through your training, cause this is a, this is a style of architecture that you guys have been sort of the pioneers of. Yes. Yeah. So when, when I was going through training in school, there, it, there was actually no such thing as wellness architecture. So over the past two decades, I've kind of sought out sciences that are on the side, you know, they're not even directly recognized as related to architecture, but have looked at environmental psychology and neuroscience. And, um, you know, we have developed different relationships with different institutions um, ac across the world, really, to look at the kind of ancient wisdoms behind how to create a healthy space. And then also the latest emerging science of, hey, this is actually what's going on in your brain when you step into a space like this, or this is what's happening to your hormones. Yeah. Because when you and I talked a while back about some of the projects you have in all different parts of the world and also the the places that you've traveled to work and and study um i thought it was really interesting you know 
the way that buildings are built in all these places. But then we also had a conversation about how, you know, now that the technology has evolved to the point that where you could almost, you know, use a Fitbit and walk into these spaces that you create and notice literally how your body changes and actually get to see real data from that uh, in real time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember that it's a, it's really interesting to to think about that we all already know which buildings we like and don't like, but we're programmed to, we're not, we're not supposed to think about it or care. Like, unless you're really sensitive and in tune with that, um, which I am, which a lot of architects will be. Um, most people don't go around recognizing their preference because if you have to go into the grocery store, you're going to the grocery store. You're not going to be like, Oh man, this design really sucks, you know? So, but um, there are buildings that are unhealthy that we were just talking about, you know, maybe it's their HVAC systems. Maybe it's actually toxic chemicals or flooring or finishes or furniture that they employed. And it, it, you know, you might not really notice, but it might be just kind of like, you know, when you're sitting there after lunch and you're like, oh, I don't feel good or I feel lethargic or whatever. Sometimes that might've been what you ate for lunch, or it might be the building that you're in. So you know, we, we've been talking about, um, we do a lot of work also on the business behind wellness architecture and why it makes good business sense and the impact that it has on the bottom line to implement healthy strategies. And it's an interesting conversation with developers because a lot of times, um, people that develop buildings, they're, they're, they have different priorities and different focuses. And it's not that anybody's trying to do a bad job. They're just trying to hit a certain standard and get a product out there on the market. Their holding period is really short. And so they might not realize the impact of, okay, if you have to put in a higher grade mechanical system with, with better filters, and especially that's, that's a big topic now with COVID, you know, it's like everybody has been increasing their air filtration. You know, that's been a big topic. Well, when COVID's done with, are we ever going to be like, oh, now we're going to return to the shitty air that we gave you before? Like, right. no, we're not going back there. But so, you know, the question is, okay, if I have to spend a little bit more money to do a higher quality product and not put toxins in the environment, what's the payback look like? Um, and th- there's a lot of answers to that, but referring to, you know, the question you asked, one was, it, it goes back to the green movement is, if people know that your building is actually hurting them and they've never really liked how it felt, but now they can go check their Fitbit and they can actually see their, um, their stress signals raise, you know, like the temperature of the skin, their heart rate, things like that, that, that show us that we're stressed. And they're like, wow, I get stressed every time I come to this building. They're probably going to have some kind of impact on rent on their occupation. Um, so occupancy, not occupation. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it falls in line with a phrase that's being used for lots of parts of life, which is, you know, know better, do better. And, you know, I think it's, it's awesome to watch, you know, what people are getting on board with. And, and it kind of brings me to this question I was going to ask, which is how has this new way of 
doing business in the architecture world been received? I mean, you, talk, you talked a little bit about developers and and maybe having different priorities, but I know you were doing a, a decent amount of speaking out in the world and sort of evangelizing and, and sharing all of this, but um, how have people taken to it? Uh, it it's, the world is changing. There's a paradigm shift happening. And for the most part, people that we come across are very curious and interested. And then um, most of our clients as well, they're, I'm going to start that one over, that question over if you don't mind. Um, yeah, you can pick that one up, right? Where, okay. right, pick it up and go where you want it to go. Okay. And the, the question was, you know, what was the, um, as you've been bringing this concept of wellness architecture into the world, how has it been received sort of overall? You talked a little bit about, you know, developers and, and builders, maybe in terms of having different priorities, but, but holistically, every time there's something new that gets put out in the world, sometimes there's resistance. Sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, thank thank God this has arrived, kind of where has it been? And I know you've done some speaking uh, to sort of talk about it and just kind of wondering how folks have taken to it. It's definitely been on the, thank God this is here spectrum. And we're actually really for fortunate. We work with amazing developers and builders. And there, there's a lot of people out there that are trying to differentiate their product or service if it's more on the commercial end, right? Because in general, the masses and the public are, we're all focused on wellness. And we were doing that before COVID hit really, but COVID has been an accelerator and people are really watching what they eat, their surroundings, um, their exercise. Well, wellness in all sectors of, are, is really booming, you know? So it's a, it's a, it's a good time to be a wellness architect. <laughs> and the spread of people that are your clients, I mean, you might not be able to speak about all of them, but there's some pretty big players out there to the tune of Deepak Chopra. And, you know, I don't know who else you feel like you can speak about, but maybe give us a sense of the, the types of projects, whether they're residential or they're commercial or they're United States or in other parts of the world. Yeah. Well, we, we have a really special project that we, we are doing with um, Deepak right now and his wife. And we're really looking at how do we create a home that is healthy for the planet, really minimizing the impact and being responsible, as well as something that is going to amplify the, their well-being. And we're using his seven pillars of wellness as organizing principles behind, you know, earlier in the podcast, I was talking about, we were really looking at results that we're trying to create for people as opposed to features that we're trying to sell to people. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, if we're talking about emotional resiliency, which is one of the pillars, it's like, you're telling me that your architecture can make me, uh, like happier when I come home and less stress when, my child does this or, you know what I mean? And, and the answer is yes. There, there is enough science behind that shows that when you use certain design principles are, we have different responses to stress. We have different hormones that are produced or not produced like cortisol. And so there are ways that we can design your home to help 
enhance your ability and your propensity to have a state of equanimity and to be happier and to kind of weather this crazy world that we're in. And you are a great test case for this as a mom of three children. <laughs> um, so I would imagine your home is perfectly designed to manage all of their uh, extra energy and stress. I would definitely say this is a a cobbler's children's shoes scenario. (laughs) (laughs) It always is. It always is. So in terms of how the company has been growing, right, this is, you know, something that you started, you know, the concept you started, uh, remember years ago when you were out speaking about some of the stuff and we were talking about getting you ready for, for those engagements, but now, you know, we're in your beautiful office in Jackson and it's been growing and, you know, pretty fast and scaling, you know, in terms of how you hope to evolve the, the company in terms of the size or the scope or, or where you're, you know, tell, give a sense of where you're taking this thing. Yeah, definitely. Well, first of all, thank you for all of the coaching and guidance you've given over the years. So, um, you know, you know, we started out just having an idea that, that I was passionate about, but frankly, I really didn't know if anybody else cared, you know, is Veronica living in her own little world? Or if I do all of the research and gain this skill set and this knowledge, is it something that I'm going to be able to really share with other people? So luckily the, the answer is I, that people are excited about it. And, um, I, I get to continue learning every day on, on how we can help our clients and be of service. And that goes to where we want to take the company. So, you know, the company's name is Vera Iconica, which is Latin for true likeness. And the reason that we, that I named the company that, um, was because it's really an idea that, that everybody can own, whether it's our, our team members and my colleagues that I get to work with every day or our clients, what we're trying to do is find the essential qualities in the people that we're designing for, whether it's a private residence or it's a guest for some, for a hospitality project. And then also the essential qualities in the site, because we believe that, you know, if, if we get to, you know, live and work in the natural world, or if it's a beautiful or exciting urban setting, that there's some really special qualities and that the architecture can be this kind of humble vessel essentially that allows people to experience that place and everything that that place has to offer. So um, we're, we're really growing the, the architecture firm right now. We're opening up um, some satellite offices outside of Jackson, Wyoming, but we're also expanding our offerings. We do interior architecture, interior design. Uh, we also do kitchen design. We have a um, project called the Vera Iconica Wellness Kitchen that's been getting a lot of attention recently. And we're starting to look at doing our own developments. So we have multiple sister companies that are all trying to, you know, basically design experiences. And then we say architecture happens to be our medium, but we are, we're doing that at different levels. So interesting. And then, you know, related to, but slightly different than what we've been talking about you as a leader. And I guess my first question is, have you 
played this leadership role in other parts of your life? Or is this your sort of first foray into, into being a, the big bad boss? <laughs> I don't like being the big bad boss. <laughs> I'm a middle child. I like making people happy. And if I, had, if I have the choice to lead or follow, I'd rather follow with the caveat that I'm only going to follow someone if they're going where I want to go. <laughs> so it's, um, it's leadership or pioneering by um, just by seeing a vision and knowing that it's possible and enjoying pursuing it. And, and if there were other people um, and, and there are, there, there are other people that are working towards the same vision and doing some really amazing things out there. And, and so it's really like bringing people together and saying, Hey, let's all, let's, let's all ride this wave and, and create this together. And right. It's about doing better. Like you said. And when you were saying that there's other people out there, did you mean, um, you know, bringing in new leaders to grow your your leadership team or meaning other groups that are doing similar things that, that you want to at least, you know, be, um, connected with. Yeah, I definitely both. So, you know, when I started out, there was no such thing as wellness architecture or a well standard. It really wasn't being talked about, um, toxins in products was being talked about and was part of the green movement, but anything beyond that wasn't really, a strong part of the conversation, which is insane if you think about it, because, you know, we're drinking water every day, but we're putting it in toxic pipes or, you, you know what I mean? The buildings can be so unhealthy that in the eighties, a disease called sick building syndrome is, you know what I mean? Like there's been some, the bar has been really low and we can do a lot better. And there are professionals out there in the industry that recognize that. And that is, you know, that is why we have the well standard fit. Well, the living building challenge, you know, there, there's a lot of, um, pockets of groups. There's a lot of silos out there trying to help move the industry in the right direction that are doing really amazing work. And, and one of the things I do through the global wellness Institute is help bring all of those parties together and have thought leadership symposiums and forums to then say, okay, everybody's doing an amazing job. Everybody kind of has a different angle at this. How do we bring people together to do what none of us could do on our own? And just a quick uh, clarifying comment or statement. What is the Global Wellness Institute? Yeah. So I I do a lot of work with the the Global Wellness Institute. I started an initiative called the Wellness Architecture Initiative, and it, that, that's actually where the term wellness architecture comes from. I was with, uh, with um, Susie Ellis and Nancy Davis, the, the um, founder and executive uh, and creative director for the Global Wellness Institute, and they were, you know, I said, I love what you guys are doing. They were doing everything around wellness um, and nothing related to architecture, but just how, how do you live a well life, which is where my head lives when it's not living in architecture. And I, I said, you know, I've been really inspired. I want to be a part of this organization. If there's a way I can contribute there, there's a lot of, um, uh, of, of things that I could think of that would be synergistic and related that architecture could uh, glean from and vice versa. 
And so they started asking me about our philosophy, my philosophy of architecture and, and kind of what we do. And as, as I was talking, it, you know, Nancy leaned over and she said, well, that sounds a lot like wellness architecture. And I was said, well, yeah, you could call it that. And, and ever since then, it's, you know, it's now a Google, Googleable term. So I learned a lot on Google when I was trying to come up with the name of this podcast. And as somebody, <laughs> I've always described myself as a delusional optimist and others have accused me of being such. And then I Googled the term and uh, I didn't know it existed. I thought it was just something I made up. And uh, it's a, it's a great term for people who are founders, inventors, or trailbreakers willing to have the optimism that is bordering on delusion in order to go create something that either has never been created or that you have never done. So welcome to the club. Yeah. Thank you. That sounds like a very, my kind of club. Totally. And, and I want to just take a quick pivot because you've been a, you've been a trailbreaker in other parts of life. I mean, this, the, first of all, the wellness architecture is an obvious one, but being a Wyoming native from Laramie, you have literally been on a horse trail breaking. So just give us a sense of when Veronica's not here or wrangling three children and we're building up a entire industry. Uh, what else have you done that fits underneath that fun title of trail breaker? Well, as you mentioned, I was a guide for several years, guiding horseback trips into wilderness areas in Wyoming, grizzly bear territory. So, you know, that, that's fun. And it's, it's not just fun. That's near and dear to my heart. My, both my mom and dad's side of the families, um, came over in the early 1900s to the U S and homesteaded in Wyoming. So I definitely have like a, a dear sweet spot for, for ranching and guiding and packing and, um, and nature and exploring the wilderness and, and being wild, like finding that wild side of you and getting in touch with that and, and letting it sing and figure out what it is and what it wants to do, what it wants to be. Yeah. I mean, it's, you embody it. I mean, it's, you can have all those different sides of you and interests and be successful across all these little disparate parts of life. Right. You know, um, anything else that you would say resonates in that underneath that umbrella of trailbreaker? Well, I've done a lot of traveling. Um, you know, I would definitely put that, put that in there. 60 countries worth, right? <laughs> 60 countries worth. Yes. And so that was all happening. All of what, well, excuse me, was all of it happening when you were doing your studies? Cause I know you did travel around for a number of years while you were studying architecture in, in all different places, but did you also do it um, just for pleasure? Yeah. So uh, while I was studying, um, after I graduated with my degree in environmental design, I lived in Europe for a year. I lived in Germany, getting degrees in German and my master's in architecture. And I did a lot of traveling that year. And I would basically travel to historic and contemporary works of architecture and study them, learn about them, write about them, learn about the philosophy, the context the materials, everything. And that was a really fun year. I, I got to design my curriculum at the school, uh, in Germany hmm. so that I had class from Tuesday afternoon through Thursday morning. So if I missed one week of school, I could get 
almost three weeks of traveling. So it was, I would do these big loops throughout Europe, which was really fun. And then when I, um, after I came back to the U S and graduated with my master's, I went and lived and worked for architects in Peru and South Korea. And while I was there, I used those bases to explore South America and Asia. So it was, it was always fun. It was always pleasure, but it was also very much integrated in, in what I do and what I love and, um, and who I am as an architect. Yeah. It's informed so many things. I think travel just whether it's professional or growing you as a person. Uh, so fantastic. And then maybe just in wrapping up, you know, where you are in the world with these projects, you've, you've got some locally in the United States, what other countries right now are uh, either have you worked in or are you currently working in? Oh, we've done a little bit of work in Mexico. Um, and then where we've been talking to different potential projects from Thailand to Italy. Um, so that that's really exciting. Predominantly, we've really been in the United States from Alaska to Florida, New York to Maui. Um, but, but yeah, I, there, there's been a lot of interest recently and in see those horizons expanding. Very cool. And so if folks want to connect with you, check out more of what Vera Iconica does, how do they get a hold of you? Well, you can visit our website, veraiconica.com. Um, call us up, send smoke signals. No, I e- emailing or calling. Um, we're, we're here, we're, we're available and we're passionate about what we do and happy to share it. And you have a beautiful office sitting very close to the Snow King Resort and very close to downtown Jackson Hole. So um, I don't want to encourage anybody to poke their heads in your glass window, but I, I say it's worth a peek. They're, they are welcome. <laughs> welcome anytime. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, look, thank you so much for taking a bit of time out of your day to chat with me. And I wish you guys all the best in all your future ventures. Yes. Thank you so much, Aaron. It's been a pleasure. Talk soon. The Trailbreaker Podcast is created by Aaron Feinberg with production support provided by Michael Morey. More interviews and videos can be found at aaronfeinberg.com.